Hey everyone, me Kevin here. In this video, we're going to talk about three important things regarding cryptocurrencies. First, I'm going to give you my breakdown of the entire five-hour congressional hearing that happened yesterday regarding cryptocurrencies. I'm going to talk to you about what went well and what went wrong. Then, I'm going to talk about what Visa released yesterday, what they said about cryptocurrencies yesterday. And then we'll do some brief TA and try to understand why cryptocurrencies at the very moment have been on a substantial downtrend. Uh, I shouldn't say substantial downtrend. I've been on a downtrend, mostly Bitcoin, <laughs> along with many of the alts. Ethereum, though, can't get this thing under 4K. But anyway, let's go ahead and get right into all of these updates. And the easiest way to start is just by going to a beautiful flowchart that I put together. A lot of you on my other videos have been commenting that you like the flowchart, so we'll keep the flowcharts going. All I have to do before I start the flowchart is mention that if you want to get cryptocurrency rewards while swiping your credit card, go to metkevin.com BF. That stands for BlockFi. Go to metkevin.com BF, sign up for a BlockFi credit card. And of course you could earn rewards just for holding your cryptocurrency at BlockFi. With that said, let's get into the points. First, the hearing. So. The hearing had some main goals, and that was to understand crypto, stablecoins, how stablecoin reserves and disclosures should be regulated, central bank digital currencies, and energy needs. It was an over five hour hearing. I will say there are a lot of things that are very frustrating about these sorts of hearings, because as soon as one person gets really into the nitty gritty about asking questions, they usually get gaveled down because they're out of time. Each person only gets five minutes to ask questions who's on this particular House Financial Services Committee. Anyway, here's some of the stuff that we got. First, we heard some benefits. We heard Representative Sherman complain about fees that Coinbase charges, but then we learned from the crypto executives about how wonderful Web3 is because Web3 apps and tokens are really beneficial for ultimately reducing costs and increasing accessibility. This became a theme throughout the entire hearing. Hey, we wanna get more people integrated into the financial system and give them an opportunity to use the financial system. Uh, and we can do so at substantially lower fees, especially if we then combine this with the fact that we have a distributed ledger, we can have much more cybersecurity without a single Point of failure. These are pretty obvious talking points about cryptocurrency. So this was not too particularly exciting in the beginning. Then we talked about regulation. Bitfury CEO encouraged using the existing financial structure to regulate crypto. And they say that the SEC is substantially behind the curve. They say it's really frustrating how fragmented the United States' regulatory system already is. They say, for example, if you want to run a bank, you have to go through three regulatory agencies. You want to be an investment bank, you've got to go through five. And he says the last thing that we need is another regulator for crypto. Like just put crypto into uh, or under the purview of an existing regulator, Congress, just do it, get cryptocurrency regulated so that way people can stop being scared about crypto and we can actually make crypto normal. There was an example that I actually thought was really good. 
gave an example of this, uh, this attorney, one of the executives who's also an attorney says, Hey, like when I first started using email, people were afraid. Oh no, 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 no. Don't send that over email. Pick up the phone. Cause somebody could look at our email or whatever. He he mentions that the fear of cryptocurrency today is actually very similar to that fear people had of email back in the day. I thought that was a pretty good analogy. Now, one of the uh, Paxos uh, executives was also there. He ended up talking quite a bit about stable coins. We'll talk about that. Reiterated how important consumer protections are. Uh, Mrs. Dixon ended up, another crypto executive, ended up picking up that, hey, cryptocurrency is kind of like an email. You, What you do is you eliminate uh, an intermediary. You would eliminate actually the need for a bank. You reduce fees and friction and you increase financial inclusion, right? And you can protect people with cryptocurrency by actually increasing regulation. Why? By approving funds like ETFs. Because right now, what you do is you say, hey, Crypto's the Wild West, go ahead, go out there and invest, but you don't actually give people an easy way to diversify without exchange traded funds. People have to manually diversify and that's actually more risky. So crypto executives here made a really good argument that look, if you want people to be better protected, let them diversify by having access to like an ETF for Bitcoin or ETF or whatever, some form of exchange traded fund for cryptocurrencies. Uh, there was some talk about the difference between protocols and layers. I wrote down notes on this. It's really not worth diving into the difference between protocols and, and the different layers, like application layers. Really one is, think about one as being like HTTP on a website. And then uh, the next layer, the application layer is what you actually interact with on a website, right? Not important to go through all of those details. They also define the difference between web one, web two, and web three. In case you're curious about that, I will quickly mention that web one, was originally kind of thought of as just something where you could send email and you can go online and read stuff. Web 2 was kind of where social media came around, where you could send email, you can go online and read stuff, but you could also post content much more easily. Like there were applications that made it easy for you to post content. Uh, you didn't have to be a programmer to get content up, right? Uh, and then web three is not just the ability to communicate, not just the ability to create content, but also the ability to own the network. Rather than just Twitter or Facebook controlling the network, you can actually have power uh, voting rights in the network, such as with Ethereum, where if you stake your Ethereum, you get voting rights in how that network uh, operates in the future. And you also get paid for helping validate the network or by staking your cryptocurrencies. Uh, okay, so then uh, some more information, some more background here, not so terribly important. I want to get to the more important parts so then we can move on to Visa and some of the things going on with crypto right now. Uh, Coinbase, they mentioned they hold less than 2% of their money in a hot wallet subject to hacking. 98% of their money is, uh, is uh, their assets are essentially in a cold wallet. And then they use their balance sheet and insurance to kind of balance out potential risks they mentioned. Uh, there was a quote that was popular on Twitter, worth noting. Uh, the quote was 80% have never sold a Bitcoin, 80% of crypto or Bitcoin hodlers. And don't mind the misspelling of Shitoshi's name here. I'm going to call that one an autocorrect. But anyway, Shitoshi's got over, you know, these are all dormant wallets, right? If he's got over, or whoever it is, this group of people, could even be her, 1.1 million Bitcoin that are just dormant. You know, that then, I mean, are they counting that as also hobbling? Well, technically they are, right? Anyway, kind of worth noting on that. Uh, also, uh, Representative Vargas kind of brought up the sort of typical argument of, hey, like, is this just sort of like a get rich quick? Like, what about all the speculation? Uh, you know, that's this is what we're seeing in cryptocurrencies. Is this much like the speculation that we saw right before the great financial crisis of 2008? 
And the crypto execs here had an excellent response. They're like, well, you see the same kind of speculation in pharmaceutical companies were really penny stocks. And what's really important is disclosure. Thought that was a really good argument. That was the CEO of Circle.com, Jeremy Allaire, who, who pulled that one off. I thought it was great. A lot of talk about having a digital dollar, uh, but then the individual ran out of time, so we couldn't get an answer on that one. Stable coins, uh, okay, this, this was a big section. So a lot of talk about how important stable coins are and uh, that USDC, for example, because Tether was not present at this meeting, but USDC has protections like separating client funds, licensing, storing money, one-for-one -one redeemability, 100% cash backing of USDC. That is, USDC uses all cash to back their stablecoin. Paxos mentions that they use cash and three-month treasuries to back their Paxos stablecoin. And they mention, hey, this is like the gold standard. And because these assets are backed one-to-one, -one, they're actually potentially safer than banks because banks are using fractional reserve lending. Okay, this becomes really important. And this is probably the most important takeaway out of this entire hearing. All right, so what's really important to know is think about the banking system. If you deposit $100 with Chase, Chase has to put approximately $10 into safekeeping, and then they can take $90 and go lend it out. Well, if they go lend that out to uh, Johnny over here, and they lend him $90, and then he takes this $90 and deposits it into the bank, well, then in theory, we've created money literally out of thin air because now the bank only has to keep $9 of that on deposit, and the bank can now go out and lend $81 to the next guy. So really what you just did is you turned $100 into $190, and then you turned it into 170, or sorry, $271 on the third level, right? This is called fractional reserve banking, where the banks just keep a fraction of the money that you actually deposit because the banks don't expect everybody to withdraw all their cash at the same time. Now, this is a pretty crazy system. It's a mind-boggling system, but it's extremely heavily regulated. Like, it is probably the most heavily regulated uh, financial institution that exists, the banking in uh, institutions, especially since the financial crisis, with now requirements that people have to have the ability to repay loans, requirements that banks go through stress tests, the Dodd-Frank regulations. I mean, there is so much over-regulation of the banks. It's almost too much regulation of the banks. But it's a good thing because it helps us feel at least somewhat comfortable that this system is at least somewhat robust. Okay, so that's fractional reserve banking. And we had massive issues with this in 08, but huge reforms came to help solve this crazy system. Now, you've got the stablecoin folks, the crypto executives saying, hey, look, you know, our stuff's backed one-to-one. -one. So when somebody has $100 of USDC, you know, that $100 of USDC is always backed by $100. That is true. That individual USDC is always backed by $100. But what the crypto executives did not say in this congressional hearing, and I honestly thought this was such a failed opportunity of Congress. Like, they suck. They're either idiots or they're, they're, they're just, like, blind or both, but they failed. Congress really failed here because Congress did not ask, hey, wait a minute, what happens when somebody deposits 100 USDC with say crypto.com or whatever, and then they turn on yield? 
So that way they get their 8% yield on the USDC, which when you turn on that yield, that means essentially that $100 of USDC can now be lent out to potentially this Johnny guy over here, right? But wait a minute, this is where potentially the, the entire crypto system, the entire crypto ecosystem is at a totally different level because here we are at banks maybe holding 10% of that $100, right? But that's because this is regulated, so they have to hold $10. But wait a minute, if, if 100 USDC are deposited and you turn on yields, technically the crypto institutions, the brokers, they could lend out that entire 100 to Johnny. Johnny can then deposit that 100 and collect his 8% and they could lend that entire 100 again. And that cycle could literally go on and on and on and on over and over and over and over again. And the big problem is, what if you get Johnny and Max and Jack and all these other people thinking, oh, my $100 is backed by USDC one-to-one. -one. If at any point I wanna withdraw cash, I can do that. Well, that's not true because if this person goes BK and then this person goes BK and then this person's like, give me my $100 and then they're like, no, sorry, we can't because we actually lent it to this dude over here. Uh, you don't actually have that one-to-one -one access. Now, all of a sudden, this person's like, well, crap, can you give me 50 cents on the dollar? And then all of a sudden, the value of USDC drops potentially to 50 cents on the dollar. Why? Because there are millions of people who think they have a one-for-one -one backed USDC when they actually don't. Technically, technically, and this is the tricky part, okay? This is the tricky part. If let's say there are 1 million USDC in existence, that means there are 1 million US dollars backing that. So the one-to-one -one backing is correct. But as soon as you turn on lending to get that yield, you are no longer entitled to that conversion because you have just lent that conversion to the next person. And that is a huge failure by Congress that they don't, they don't even realize that. Big, 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 big failure. But anyway, a lot of talk here, and this is why I wrote here, Kevin Note, they're not really explaining lending. A lot of talk about, hey, well, we still want the dollar to be the reserve currency, the crypto executives, excellent responses. I mean, they came very, very well prepared. Listen to this one. They said, we're winning the digital currency race. The US has trillions of dollars worth of stablecoin transactions. China has only done about 10 billion. We are winning. That's great. I love to hear that talked about how the tokenization of assets helps inclusion and it's really good. Now, Gottheimer, Representative Gottheimer, he got the closest. He talked about uh, the, the backing for stable coins in the most depth and got responses like, hey, there are different ways that you can back uh, stable coins. You can back them with a full reserve model the one-to-one -one model we talked about. You could do fractional reserve banking. That's what we described over here, but they never went deep on how many times crypto executives relend this USDC. Didn't talk about that. They brushed right over that. And then they talked about how you could essentially have something backed by a marketable securities, which would be essentially like a money market fund. Uh, and then they went right into talking about, by the way, we need a single regulatory office or some sort of regulation. So that way, when we go to the SEC and we're like, hey, are you cool with us launching this product? We actually have a framework for regulation, right? Really, really important. Obviously, uh, that, that didn't come up. Uh, Representative uh, Hollingsworth here, uh, or I mean, it came up, but no, no conclusion on that. Uh, Representative Hollingsworth talked a little bit about well-designed, oh, well, Circle responded to Hollingsworth saying, well-designed stablecoins are safer than bank deposits. This line was picked up by the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. 
but they did not include any reference to the fact that the stable coins, while they might be safer on a one-to-one -one basis, when they're lent out, they're not. They lose that safety aspect, right? So again, big, 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 big miss by Congress on that. Uh, so uh, there was also talk about how the crypto platform FTX allows literally 20x leverage. You can actually Google that FTX margin leverage and you can literally deposit $1,000 and get 20x leverage. Like, I, I don't even know if you could do that at like TD Ameritrade. I think you could do like 4x overnight, but 20x? My goodness. Uh, Brooks from Bitfury talked a little bit about how decentralized algorithms shouldn't be responsible for tax reporting. 100% of crypto futures come from these five companies. Where's Tether? Tether should be here, but they aren't there. Bloomberg put a little report together saying they estimate Tether's immediate available liquidity at around 40% of assets, but that includes an unknown $7 billion of, of, uh, of bank deposits because they can't keep track of that. So, uh, and then Bloomberg also published a pretty bearish piece on crypto after that. So Bloomberg was being a little bearish on crypto. Uh, we don't have to talk much about that. So to me, that was the five-hour congressional testimony in a nutshell. Now we got to talk about Visa, and then we're going to talk about what the heck is going on in the market, okay? So Visa study, all right? Visa is, first of all, Visa is launching a service to advise institutional clients like banks, fintechs, and retailers looking to implement Bitcoin services. This immediately led B-A-K-K-T to skyrocket. Type into YouTube, meet Kevin, B-A-K-K-T, and you'll learn all about that stock, my thoughts on it, and why it's this massive momentum trade that goes up and down like crazy. Maybe it's something that you'll be able to play, but remember, watch my video first on it. Met Kevin, or just type into YouTube, meet Kevin, and then B-A-K-K-T. While you're at it, you also may as well open up a another tab to type in metkevin.com slash BF to get that BlockFi credit card we talked about so you can get cryptocurrency rewards and get rewards on your crypto deposit and make sure to get life insurance in as little as five minutes by going to metkevin.com slash life. Okay, so what else did we learn from Bitcoin or from Visa? Well, they released this study uh, in, in partnership with their marketing firm. And really, Visa's saying they're trying to uh, advance mainstream crypto adoption. Uh, I'm gonna jump to the bottom here really quick. Visa did mention that they're not trying to pick winners and losers. They're just trying to help their customers do what they wanna do. So if customers want NFTs, then they're gonna provide that service. They're gonna try to do anything they can to basically get their cut. Remember, Visa makes like literally 45% on every transaction dollar. They bring that to the bottom line, like net. They make a ton of money, okay? So Visa's smart to get into cryptos. We did get some research that was published. Uh, again, this was in partnership with LRW, their marketing firm, based on 6,000 people. They mentioned that of these 6,000 people, 94% of people were aware of crypto, but only one third have actually used crypto. 18% of people would likely or very likely switch to banks offering crypto services. 24% of people are in emerging markets. So I thought that was interesting. So uh, a little bit of, uh, you'd get about one in four people in emerging markets interested in crypto, but uh, about 33% globally of people interested in crypto. Uh, Visa sees deep consumer demand for NFTs, easy on-ramps for crypto, crypto-linked credit cards, like that BlockFi one, metkevin.com slash BF, stable coins. This was interesting. They broke down three, I'm sorry, four different types of users for Bitcoin. They said that active owners make up about 21% of the people they surveyed, 49% of those people, so half of them are millennials, and 45% of those people believe that crypto is going to replace fiat. I'm not on that wavelength. Like I'm bullish on blockchain technology, but I don't think it's gonna replace fiat. Now, I don't wanna offend those 45% of people. I could be entirely wrong, 
But I, I thought that was a big statistic right there. And I'm just trying to exemplify like, wow, that was a shocker for me. And then get this one, 60% of crypto enthusiasts get their information from YouTube. And that audience is 65% male. Then passive owners, these are people who bought crypto and but aren't really like activists, like cheering it on all the time. They're just kind of hodlers. Positive impression of crypto, less trusting of financial institutions, 57% male, and YouTube is their primary source of information. For people who are crypto curious, they have a positive impression, but not yet, uh, actually there are five classifications here, but not yet invested. This is a, when you start getting into a little bit of an older demographic, you get people who are crypto curious. 54% of this group is made up of women. So women a little bit more skeptical than men and uh, women more likely to get their information from family and friends and older generations more likely to get their information from family and friends than through YouTube. Crypto skeptics tended to be older. About 31% of crypto skeptics were boomers. And 39% got their information through word of mouth. 36 got their information through newspapers. You remember these old things? I actually got one right here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the unengaged audience had a generally negative impression of crypto. They were generally older and more often female and mostly got their information from friends or TV. All right. Uh, then we got some other uh, stats on why people like crypto. 23% want low fees. 29% want to be able to tra uh, 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 transact at any time. 30% want to avoid uh, exchange fees. So that would be like in, uh, you know, across uh, borders. And 41% say their primary motivation is to build wealth. And I think you can answer multiple questions here in terms of what your priority is, because I know the percentages don't quite add up. So that would make sense that you could probably check like your top priorities. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, this is something that is very, very common that the biggest motivation is people trying to get rich, <laughs> which honestly, I don't blame that. Even the survey acknowledged that 28% of people uh, kind of FOMO into crypto. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, let's see here. One out of 10 people have a crypto link credit card. You should be one of those one in 10. Maybe we could get that number up. Go to metkevin.com slash BF. In terms of dangers, 46% of crypto uh, individuals surveyed by this fear they will ultimately lose their money. 32% see it as a way to diversify, though it is worth noting that Bitcoin has become a lot more correlated with the market than it used to be. It used to be very good diversification. Now it kind of trades with the market. Market's down today, crypto's down today. You know? uh, and we're going to talk more about that in just a second. And 31% uh, are concerned about hacking or theft and not being able to have regulatory recourse. 20% believe that crypto is bad for the environment, specifically those in European countries. So that was the uh, visa update. So you can see a ton of freaking research here, okay? Five hour crypto hearing, visa study. Now we gotta talk about why the heck is crypto falling right now? Well, the biggest reason in my opinion crypto is falling right now is, well, it's twofolded. Number one, remember what I said? The beta for Bitcoin is starting to follow the market. All of the indices are down today on a combination of factors. Number one, J-Pow, the tightening coming next week, the FOMC meeting on the 15th. Omicron fears that Omicron uh, is, is uh, potentially going to lead to a lot more work from home, which could potentially shrink global GDP. Uh, and then on top of uh, those sorts of fears, even though Omicron's more violent, on top uh, or more mild, not more violent, more, it, it's, it's more transmissible, spreads about 4.2 times as fast, but it's much more mild. I uh, expect it to be almost similar to a cold in some cases. Uh, but anyway, you can watch my Omicron videos on that. 
And of course, the Evergrande default, which happened on Monday, kind of corresponds with when Bitcoin started falling a little bit more. Uh, we're going to go ahead and look at some TA here just a, in just a second on Bitcoin. But really worth noting that uh, when you have pain in China, you tend to have pain in crypto, specifically Bitcoin. Uh, and that's because even though mining uh, and transactions are banned, there are a lot of people in China who do not trust their government and they hodl crypto. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But uh, this is the one minute chart. So you can see a little bit of a sell off here on crypto or Bitcoin again right now, 47.6. Ethereum probably hodling above 4K as it tends to. Uh, let's, uh, we'll, get, we'll go to Ethereum in just a moment. But what I wanna do is I wanna look at the day chart here. So uh, folks, this is a very, very, very sub, uh, important support line that we are approaching. I made a video about three days ago talking about how when we're vacillating in this middle here, it's entirely possible that we could very soon fall back down to our large support line right at about 47,165, potentially as low as 46,614. The blue line's a stronger support line for me than this little pinkish uh, or salmon colored line right here. Yeah, but I, I talked about this just two or three days ago. I talked about there's a chance that before we break up, we could break back down to the support line. That's literally what appears to be happening right now. So uh, there you go. You can see on this 30 minute chart, that's exactly what's happening. And the big test is going to be when we hit this 47,200 line, if we do, which right now that's what we're trending to, are we going to bounce back up and rebound or are we going back down? If we miss this blue line, folks, it's not good because sure, we could briefly liquidate fall like this. That's okay. Those little 30 minute falls, these are really good buy the dip opportunities when you kind of get these like uh, the extended portions of the candlestick falling down with immediate liquidations. Not that big of a deal. Uh, these liquidations have already happened. I don't think we're going to see liquidations again unless we went down to this candlestick here. If we started falling towards 37,000, uh, 600, we'll probably get another burst of liquidations and we could potentially see this line burst through some of these lower supports right here. And that'll probably be a nice temporary buying opportunity. But keep an eye on this support line. It is huge. If you're waiting to buy the dip, wait for a reversal here. Uh, with CPI data coming out tomorrow, we expect it to be some of the highest data points ever. So again, you've got uh, JPOW tapering next week. You've got Omicron You've got uh, the correlation between crypto and the markets, but then you've also got uh, CPI data coming out tomorrow. We expect it to be potentially peak inflation, like the worst CPI year over year report we've ever seen with like 6.8% inflation expected by Bloomberg. That comes out at 5.30 a.m. tomorrow. I will be awake. I will be uh, uh, streaming that live. So I hope to see you there. Uh, and if we get a big beat, who knows? Maybe that'll be the opportunity where we see Bitcoin bounce. But until then... A lot of uncertainty in the market, and uh, Bitcoin's definitely falling on that at the moment. And so are uh, coins that I love, like uh, Cardano. Or I mean, look at this this Fibonacci retracement here. I mean, this is this is disgusting. So uh, look at this. We saw it at the 50 on the Fibonacci for a while. We bounced off of the 38.2, came back to the 50, only to fall again to the 38.2 briefly, then to fall to the 23.6. Look at us stay there, and boom, now we're in the in no man's land. We're about to go back to a buck on, on ADA if this trend continues. Hopefully not. Hopefully we get right back over and we get back to that 157 level, but not a very good trend right now. The strongest, honestly, out of all of the cryptocurrencies has been Ethereum. It's been a very, very good uh, ride for Ethereum. Because despite all of this drama, there's so much Ethereum that's locked away in smart contracts and staking waiting for ETH 
boy, oh boy, it's hard to get Ethereum under 4K. And honestly, that makes me bullish on Ethereum. So anyway, uh, and, and look, there are plenty of other platform uh, protocols as well that I really love. Uh, Solana is another one that I really love. Uh, Solana. Oh, Sol. There you go. USD. Weeble. They're, all the platforms do it a little differently. Uh, and, and look at this. I drew this line as well four or five days ago or whatever. There it is. We're literally sitting at that support line that we've been talking about. Actually, we might be a tiny little bit below it on the candlestick right now. We actually just broke below it. But uh, you can see it's been relatively well-behaved around that 188 level. The 30-minute candle really shows you that fight as well. And we've now broken below that. Not ideal. But uh, let's watch this, and hopefully we get a big boost after inflation data tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. Again, expectations are for 6.8% year-over-year. That is going to be headline news really for the next month. Probably going to hurt the passage of the Build Back Better plan, which unfortunately, uh, the Build Back Better plan is stimulus, and stimulus is usually seen as good for cryptocurrencies. So if we don't get the Build Back Better plan, that could also be a potential negative catalyst for uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Anyway, we'll pay attention to this drop. Again, broader market is falling, so it's not a surprise. I mean, look at this, a firm's down 7%. Uh, you know, I, I even bought a little bit of the dip. Actually, I bought a chunk of the dip this morning and, and things are burning. Uh, oh, well, that's, the, that's, the, well, that's what happens when you buy the dip. Catch a knife, but that's okay. Uh, these are the times to add. These are times to build a portfolio. Look at that, Lucid down 14%, just as expected. <laughs> um, I, I, look, I love Lucid, don't get me wrong, but we, we know that they're gonna most likely miss deliveries and uh, continue to fall a little bit here. And they also did a convertible bond offering. But anyway, we'll stick to crypto for right now. Thank you so much for watching this extended video. I really appreciate you and folks, we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye.